Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. Because everybody in this room, we're all on a faith journey. We're all going somewhere. And so I'm excited to dive right into the series. We've got a few pictures. And so if you're going on a road trip, or maybe you really enjoyed last year's road trip, I want you to send me your photo. You could tag Avenue. But here's our first one is we have uh, uh, Brenda Tanner. She submitted her photo. So this is her and her family. So give it from Brenda. Brenda's amazing. Brenda serves on her A-team, been with us since the very early stages after we launched. And so that's Brenda, her kids and her family. And then Simone, Simone posted a, po- a photo. So here's the uh, Anderson family. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> Look at that. I love that. And so that's her family. And Simone just recently joined our team. And she is crushing it at the production team in the back. And so give it up for Simone. Just killing it, right? And uh, so make sure you submit your photos and we would love to share that. I love the beach because raise your hand if you want to be there right now, all right? We all want to go give me some motion right there. So we'll put sand in your shoes so you can feel like you're at the beach. So we're in a road trip series right now and uh, I'm going to know we all have an amazing road trip story, especially if you got kids, all right? Especially if you went on a road trip in the 70s, the 60s, 70s, the 80s, right? No technology. You had games in the back of your seat. You're making up the alphabet game, road games. You, uh, even your parents, your parents were frugal. I call it cheap. And they didn't want to fly anywhere. How many know about, raise your hand if your parents were driving to Paris, all right? We are driving to Hawaii. You're like, how are you going to do that, Dad, you know? Or, or our folks, you know, they would say, we're going on a road trip. It's going to take a week. I do not care. And we're going to get there somehow. And how many know the destination is not as fun as the journey when you're on a road trip? It gets real exciting. We can laugh back at it now when you blow a tire. It gets real exciting when, when kids forget to use cups. How do we all use a cup in the back seat? You know what I mean? It gets real exciting of all the difficulties that happens on our journey. I have a sister. Her name's Heather. She has uh, two girls, and uh, she was taking a road trip from her house to town because she lives, lives, uh, used to live out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, and so she took her two daughters, and one daughter did not want to get in the car. She did not want to get in the van to go on the trip. And so she's like, you're going. And so she put her in the car seat and buckled her up with that harness. If you don't have kids yet, you will soon learn the blessing of the six-point, seven-point harness of those kids. You're like Hannibal Lecter in that thing, all right? Stay in there, you know. And uh, if you know what I'm talking about, we're praying for you today, all right? And so you put in that harness, and they're all in there. And so she's upset, and she gets on the highway to go into town, and she's driving down that highway. And all of a sudden, her daughter somehow undoes all the harnesses. She's like, like a ninja, man. She had like a little knife or something, cut that thing off. And her daughter, most of her are thinking, okay, she's out of her car seat. That's dangerous. But not my, not my little niece. She opens the van door, unlocks it, and opens it, going like 70 down the highway. And she's like, wow. And, <laughs> and so my, my sister's like, no, and grabs her and got on the steering wheel trying to slow down. And like, what are you doing? And pulls over the side of the road. And so my little niece is okay. She's safe. She's still with us these day, to this day. And I tell you that because many of us, We'll encounter some difficulties on the journey. We'll encounter 
some unexpected difficulties on the journey. And how many know my sister whooped my beautiful niece into submission? She laid hands on her and prayed for the Holy Ghost to fill her. <laughs> but man, we're on a, many of us in this room, we're on a difficult faith journey. We're on a difficult faith journey. They're all going on a faith journey this summer, and I want you to know that there can be detours, there can be shortcuts, and there can be dead ends. There can be detours, there can be shortcuts, there can be dead ends. But I want you to know that each journey that we take this summer, every step we take, we're going to learn more about God, and we're going to learn more about ourselves. We're going to learn more about God, and we're going to learn more about ourselves. But I want you to understand, I wish somebody told this to me many years ago. I wish somebody would shake me and say, listen, Jeremy, God's going to call you. God's going to call you by name. When you take a step of faith, when you decide to go on an unknown journey guided by God, it's going to get hard. I wish somebody told me it's not going to be flowers and sunshine. You know, like I'm in God's will. It's amazing. And you know? you're like, oh, cake, cakes everywhere. And it's incredible. All right. I don't know why cake's in there, but that's just me. <laughs> but in every faith journey you're going to take, it's going to get difficult. In every faith journey you're going to take, it's going to get tough, especially if you're not expecting the difficulty to come your way. That God doesn't use difficult circumstances. I want you to understand, God doesn't create difficult circumstances. There's something that takes place, ladies and gentlemen, when we say, God, I'm going to take a step of faith, and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose, and all hell says, oh no, I thought I had them down. Oh no, they're, they're, they're going to make a difference. Oh no, they're realizing their identity in Christ Jesus. Oh no, they've discovered their purpose in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to put some roadblocks in their way. I'm going to put some road barriers in their way. But let me, ask, let me share this with you. God doesn't use he doesn't use difficult circumstances to find out what we will do. Here's what God does. He already knows what the future holds. But God will use difficult circumstances to reveal us to ourselves. He'll use those tests to reveal us to ourselves. That when we fail or when we mess up, we begin to realize, okay, okay, I need to build my faith. Okay. I need to trust God a little bit more. It's like going on a, on a hike, and you're going to go up the mountain, and maybe you're with an experienced hiker, and they're going to say, come on, let's go up. It's 10 miles up this thing, and maybe in second mile or third mile, you're, I'm, 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 I am uncomfortable. I am hot. You know, I am thirsty. My legs are, are jello. I can't do this. And the guide will begin to see how far can he really take you. I believe it's that way in our faith journey. God is saying, how far can I take you on a faith journey? How far can I take you on a faith journey? And so if you've got your Bibles, turn your Bibles. Uh, open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. We've got Bibles available for you to take from the sides. You can feel free to take a Bible home. i got my word here today. But you can feel free to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 through 20. If you don't got a Bible, all right, get your phones out. You could use Facebook. Check in on Facebook. Instagram this whole thing. Blow up your stories today, okay? And uh, you could use notes. You can use your uh, the Bible app. If you have an Android or a Samsung, we love you. And God is for you, not against you. And so here's what the story is. The story is, last week we learned that Abram got called by God to go that way. 
So if you're here last week, you can catch it on the podcast. But here's what it said. God called Abram, and God said, Abram, go that way. He didn't say, I'm going to take you this, and here's the instructions, and here's the plan. God said, Abram, go that way, and there'll be blessings. If you go that way, I'll bless your family. If you go that way, I'll curse those who curse you. And so Abram said, yes, Lord. So he left his father's house, and he went that way. He went on the journey. And so last week, right, we were like, Abram's the man. Abram's a man of faith. He's the father of faith. I mean, you can read about him in the hall of faith in Hebrews. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. I love this. Now there was a famine. So here's Abram. Yes, Lord, I'm going to go that way. So he took a step of faith, and after he went that way, God gave him the instructions. This is the land I'm going to give you. You have a great inheritance. I'm going to give you the promises of your heart. But then there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down. Abram took a different course. Abram said, I know a shortcut. Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. There was a famine for the famine was severe in the land. Verse 11, and it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, indeed, I know you are a beautiful woman. Come on, where's the husband to this place, right? Come on, Abram, this is what I'm talking about. He's going to Egypt, he's just driving, and he's like, Sarah, you are beautiful. That's my boy right there. Come on, Abram. Sarah, you are beautiful. Girl, have I told you you're beautiful today? Wives, you're in this room. How many know sometimes a compliment, something's coming right after, right? You look wonderful today. Can I have my allowance? Yeah, shut up, man. You look beautiful today. See, what happened was, and so he said, Sarah, you are beautiful. You are beautiful. Therefore, what's going to happen? So when the Egyptians see you, they will say, that is his wife. And so Sarah's like, yeah, right? And so Abram's like, man, people are going to know you belong to me, right? Baby, you're so beautiful, and you're all mine. Thank God you get to be all mine. Thank you, Jesus. And this is what he says, then they will kill me. He's like, what? Then they will kill me. And they said this, but they will let you live. So please say that you are my sister. Now, I know this isn't a mixtape series, but guys, don't ever do that, all right? Like, like, can we just go somewhere and you just be related and we be not married? And so he says, tell them you're my sister so that it may be well with me for my sake. Something happens when we take a detour. Something happens as we begin to snowball into certain lives. And that I may live because of you. And here it says, so it was that when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw Sarah. She was very beautiful. The prince of Pharaoh also saw her and told, uh, told the Pharaoh about her. And, the, and Sarah was taken to the Pharaoh's house. And he treated Abram, listen to that, he treated Abram well for her sake. So the Pharaoh said, I want her to be my wife. So he takes Sarah and said, you're not married, so I'm going to place you in a special, uh, like a ceremony, a holding area for several months, and then we will be married, and then we will conceive and have children. And so here's Abram, like, she's my sister, take her as my wife so I don't get killed. See, when you take shortcuts, you're only looking out for yourself. And here's what happens is he, they gave him sheep, 
oxen, male donkeys, servants, female donkeys, camels, camels. But the Lord plagued the Pharaoh in his house with great diseases, with great plagues, physical diseases, because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. And here's what happens. And the Pharaoh called Abram and he said, what have you done to me? You know, shortcuts affect everybody around you. And so the Pharaoh said, what have you done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So the Pharaoh commanded his men, get rid of them, and I want you to send them away with everything that they had. So Abram went up from Egypt. He went down to Egypt. Now he went up from Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had, lot with him. And Abram was very rich, and he went on his journey from the south back to Bethel, to the place, and I want you to catch this in the yellow, where the place where his tent had been from the beginning. The place where his tent had, fr- had been from the beginning. I want you to touch your neighbor and say, where are you going? Touch your neighbor and say, where are you going? Because we're going to take a journey this morning. So the title of my message is Detours, Shortcuts, and Dead Ends. Detours, shortcuts, and dead ends. I don't know if you've ever missed a turn, all right? I don't know if you've ever missed a turn, especially when you're in a hurry. How many know I'm talking about? Like in Las Vegas, around the 215.15, if you miss a turn, you're going to prom, right? If you miss a turn, you're going to California, and you're like, where's this 215 at? Now, I don't know about you, but if you have a, a buddy with you, a good friend, and you're driving down the road. I'm going to be real with, with you guys because this is church, all right? And I'm driving. I got a good buddy next to me. And I'll miss a turn. What's your buddy do? Ha-ha. <laughs> oh, ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, the turn's back there. You're like, oh, missed a turn, right? It's like, <laughs> and you find somewhere and you turn around and you go on your journey. You're a little bit late, but you made the turn. You're, oh, <laughs> Now, if you're with your spouse... <laughs> Look at this. I just got real low. Now, this isn't my experience, all right? Because the Lord loves me, okay? She's not here in this service, okay? But if you're with your spouse, right? She's got GPS and you're driving and you miss a turn. What happens? You go, that was the turn. You missed the turn. It's right there. You know, like, you had the GPS. You know what I mean? Like, let's hurry talk. How many know your attitude determines your altitude? Come on, somebody. (laughs) I want to share with you today, not in the context of a friend or a spouse, but I'm going to share with you today who is in your car. Who's going on the journey with you? There are detours, there are shortcuts, and there are dead ends. But there's something that happens when you take a detour, something that happens when you take a shortcut, and there's something that happens when you find yourself at a dead end. Because here's Abram. God calls him, and he steps out. And in Genesis 12, verse 10, it says, Now there was a famine in the land. It got a little uncomfortable. 
He got a little uneasy. For many of us, this story begins to show that Abram, he left a green, luscious, beautiful area, and he went to the barren desert. How many know, there's some folks in this room, you came from a luscious, green, beautiful place, which is everywhere in the United States, except for Las Vegas, Nevada, and God brought you to the barren desert. But I'm here to tell you, God's promises, according to this scripture, is in the barren, dry places. It's in where it's uncomfortable, that God has you for a reason, for his purpose, for his praise, and for his glory. But there was a famine in the land. It got uncomfortable. It got uncomfortable. So Abram said, I am uncomfortable. I'm going, now to, I'm going down to Egypt. I'm going to, I trust God enough but now he is taking too long and I am uncomfortable. He went down from his discomfort to find comfort. He took a shortcut. I've, ever no I've noticed, and this is my life too, that whenever we're ready to make a change, we're gun-ho for it, aren't we? We like wake up one day and be like, I need to lose weight. And we're excited, so okay, I saw that thing on TV, or I saw that Instagram-sponsored ad, and that dude had a six-pack, and uh, I, I, I'm going to get crazy, and I want that beach body because it's summertime. How many, how many need another two months for summer, all right? And I got, I'm excited. I got my winter body on, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keto and paleo and vigo, and I don't know what other O's there are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out and run, and I'm going to run 10 miles a day, right? And you're, come on, somebody, keep me accountable. The next time you see that person, they're eating ice cream, and you're like, what happened? Like, it's a cheat day. <laughs> right? It's a cheat week. But, but I can't shock my body. You know, it's not healthy for my body. I, I need to give my body like a year. And, and, and what happened? You got uncomfortable. What happened? You got hungry. What happened? There was a famine in the land. <laughs> we got to store some things up. But what happens is we're excited and we're ready and we'll do anything. And I'll do the extreme until it gets uncomfortable. Until it gets uncomfortable. And this is what happens with our faith. Do we say, God, I need to change. God, I need to, I need to move some things around in my life. I'm going to get involved in church. I'm going to go to grow track and I'm going to serve and I'm going to greet and I'm going to be on the A team and I'm going to do whatever it takes. But now it becomes uncomfortable. And so we say, God, I I'm going to take some shortcuts. God, I'm going to take a detour. And so raise your hand. I'm going to ask you this today. Raise your hand if you absolutely hate traffic. Anybody? You hate traffic. Where are my people at? Come on, people. If you don't have your hand raised, I'm praying for you. Seriously. I don't understand. You're like, I love traffic. <laughs> it's red. Let's go there, right? But what happens when we're in a traffic jam, especially when we're in a hurry? What happens in the traffic? It's, it's bumper to bumper in the 215, the 15, Buffalo, anywhere, right? I think our city's theme color is orange, I think. Orange cones, orange signs. It's not go nights go, it's go cones go, all right? I think we should hire the cone guys to do the actual work because the cone guys have the cones out a year before it's even... <laughs> there's even any construction now, right? Hey, comb guy, you're going to work on the road. Sure, I'll get it done right away. <laughs> but what happens is when you sit in traffic, you get angry, you get anxious. 
the kids behind you are just, it's just, it's just something happens. Like, like at home, it's fine. But they, but behind you, the car seat, you're just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out the car. You know what I mean? You're walking. And you're getting upset and you're getting angry. What happens? We get impatient. And we say, you know what? I'm going to find my own shortcut. I don't know if you've ever driven around this, this southwest part of town or even in the, up, 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 up in the northwest. You'll see fields with makeshift paths, right? Because it's like people are in traffic and they're like, screw this. I just go down the field. You're like, where's that guy going? <laughs> Why? Because we get impatient. But how many have ever taken a shortcut and you find out that it's not a shortcut, it's a dead end, and you got to turn yourself around and go back to where you were at, but now you're further back in line, and you're like, dear sweet Jesus, Mary, Joseph, you know? <laughs> but that's what happens when we get impatient. I got to tell you, when God said, Jeremy and Lindsay, go that way and plant a church, it was scary if you were here last week, you got to know that faith just has to be greater than fear. But there's lots of things in your life you will do things afraid. You'll do it afraid. And so when we launched this church, we did intersocials. And I got to tell you, we, it's not my wife and I, it's 85 adults who said, God called me. God told me I'm signing up. And 85 adults wet their children. So over 100 people took a step into the unknown, took a step and said, this boy better be right, you know? <laughs> I got to tell you, we had crazy momentum, interest socials, people showing up, Facebook, word of mouth. It was amazing to see the miracle. How many know when you take a blind step of faith, because God told you he will always bring confirmations along the way. He will always bring encouragement along the way. But we were five weeks away. Many of you know the story. We were five weeks away from our launch day. Like, this is the day we're going to launch. Because when we say something, it gets done, all right? Like, we are launching it on that day. We did not have a building. We did not have a building. I went to 16 places. I kept track. I was like, on the first one, they'll say yes, and it'll be awesome, you know? And they said, we love you. You're great. Every meeting was awesome, all right? And, but they said, well, you, this is great. We wish we could, but no. And so 16 different no's from 16 different places. I was going back to those places like, hey, listen, I'll give you my firstborn. Uh, I'll give you tons of money. I'll give you double what you're asking for. I'll do whatever I can. And I got to tell you, church, thank goodness we were not impatient. Thank goodness that we didn't take a shortcut. You know, during that five-week period, it was right before Christmas, and I was like, I trust the Lord with all my heart. I lean on my own understanding, but thank you, God, for Tums, all right? I just got pop Tums in, and I was getting nervous. I, I, it was hard to sleep at night, but I was going, but God, if you called us, you'll provide. God, if you brought us here, you will make a way. And I got to say, thank goodness. Thank goodness we didn't take a shortcut. Thank goodness uh, we didn't we didn't find we didn't we didn't try to gain control to say this is uncomfortable because people were asking. Can you imagine Abram like you left your dad's like amazing inheritance and you're in the why are you in the desert? I don't know, you know. People are like, where's your church gonna be? We don't know yet, but it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> it's gonna be incredible. Do you have a building yet? No building. But the church is not a building. Can I get a witness, somebody, you know? <laughs> Stop. That was cheesy. Knock it out. 
Don't, don't clap for that. <laughs> and I got to say, thank goodness we didn't take a shortcut. Five weeks before we launched, we drove by this place, and I just recognized the name, Ralph Ingolstead, who built something in my hometown. And so we pulled aside, and we asked the lady in the front desk. And when she gave us a tour, she brought us into this building. And this is the only property out of 16 different places. I walked in and said, this is it. This is it. This is the place to call home. Why do I tell you that? Because God knows exactly what he's doing. God is never too early, but he's never too late. He's always right on time, but we get impatient. We get uncomfortable and we say, God, you're awesome, but Jesus, give me the wheel back. All right, I'm going to get back in the driver's seat. I'm going to do what is best because you're taking too long. See, Abram took a shortcut because he trusted God just enough to leave, but not enough to meet all his needs. He trusted God just enough to leave, to take that step, but he didn't trust God enough that God would meet all his needs. Abram was saying, God, I trust you. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. God, I trust you. It's everything is good and everything falls into place. But how many know when you go on a faith journey, difficult circumstances will come your way. Difficult circumstances will come your way. Here's what I love. People ask me, people are like, man, you planting in the southwest part of town? You are so strategic. And I was like, what? You are so strategic. I was like, listen to me. We were not strategic. We had no idea where the Southwest was. We didn't visit the Southwest. All right, like we didn't, like, oh yeah, look at the demographics and the population. We weren't strategic. We were obedient. When you say, God, I'm going to obey you. God, I'm going to trust you. It's not going to make sense on the journey. But when you get to the destination, people will say, wow, look at God. So we got to trust him. We got to trust him. God, I'm not going to take any shortcuts. God, I'm not going to take the easy route. But listen to me. God has shortcuts. God has shortcuts for your life. But oftentimes we make our own shortcuts. Maybe it's a, a diet. We say, you know what? I, 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 can, I can do this, but I'd rather pay for that and get that and get results faster. Maybe I need to get out of debt, but instead of getting out of debt, I'm going to uh, rack up more credit cards. I'm going to do more things. Maybe, you know what? I won't, I won't tithe because that 10% could go towards my debt. I'm going to take a shortcut. Maybe we're here today. We say, if I could just buy something to get me quicker results faster. I even want to encourage you in this service. I didn't say the last service. But many times we'll take shortcuts instead of waiting for God's very best. We'll say, you know what, I, I, I'm not married yet. Or you know what, I, I don't have a relationship yet. So I'm going to take a shortcut and place things into my own hands because God is taking too long. I'm here to tell you God has some amazing things planned for your life. But there's a reason why he doesn't take us through shortcuts. A shortcut, you might get there faster. A shortcut, you might, you might arrive there but you won't learn anything. There's a process to the promise. But here's what's interesting. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 13, Abraham said to his wife, please say you're my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake so that I may, li so that it, I may live because of you. And here's what's interesting. Abram was not lying. As I begin to study this, Genesis chapter 20, we begin, we begin to learn that Sarai was actually Abram's half-sister, that they had different mamas but the same father. And you might say, what is this all about? Like, what, is, is this a cult they're in? What kind of Bible are you reading, Pastor? Like, what kind of church am I in? 
I want you to understand, first thing, it's in Genesis. Ain't nobody back then, all right? There is nobody on the planet that isn't related to each other in the book of Genesis. It's the very beginning, right? Like, hey, what's up, girl? I'm your sister. Okay, back up. All right. <laughs> it was like a small town. Hey, what's your name? I'm, I'm your niece. Oh, okay, you know. But back then, this happened before the law. And so if you read the law now, back in the, in the Old Testament, the law says you don't marry a relative. You don't marry your, your, mother, uh, your mother, your brother, your sister, your father. You don't marry relatives. But this was before the law. So it's very common at this time. And so what does this mean for me, Pastor? What does this mean? It means Abram, he was telling a half-truth so he could reap the full benefit. He was telling a half-truth so he could reap the full benefit. How many know when we take shortcuts, we're telling only half the truth so we can reap the full benefit? It got real good in this service, last, last service. Why? Because many of us will say it's tax season. I'm going to give some half truths so I can reap the full benefit. Man, I, here's my resume. If you read my resume, it's got some half truths so I can reap the full benefit. God, you're taking too long. So I'm going to tell a half truth so I can reap the full benefit. See, if Abram said, this was my wife, this is my girl, she belongs to me, they would have killed him. But I'm here to tell you that whatever we take a shortcut and it leads to a dead end, we serve such a good God who will come in and rescue us. He'll fight for us. He'll stand in the gap for you and I. How many know the truth will set you free? Maybe you're getting involved in a group and you say, man, I really need to find freedom. I have a new church. We got four steps. We want you to know God. Then we want you to find freedom. But 87% of Christians never go from knowing God to finding freedom. Why? Because we'll serve God unless it gets uncomfortable. In order to find freedom, we got to get a little uncomfortable. In order to find freedom, we have to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But if we tell a half-truth, I believe you won't reap a full benefit. We say, you know what, I got some issues in my life, and I know in my small group, I can trust one another. In my small group, iron will sharpen iron. And as I begin to tell the truth, and the truth will begin to set me free. I love the song we sang today. I think we're going to sing it again. And I love that. It says that your past is no longer here. We're moving forward. That's what happens when we find freedom. No shortcuts, but simply God's journey and God's path. And so here's what God does. In Psalms chapter 37, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. God wants to go on a faith journey with you. God wants to be there when you get impatient. God wants to be there when you get uncomfortable. God wants to be there when you take a shortcut and all of a sudden it's a dead end. God wants to be there because he loves to direct your steps of the godly. If you're in this room today, you are godly. You were, you've been bought with a price. You are God's masterpiece. And here's what happened. God steps in. And he brings plagues and diseases over the Pharaoh and his house. But I want you to catch this. God, he, he, he stepped in and he made them all sick and gave them plagues. And he began to intervene, not because of Abram's actions, but he wanted to protect Sarah in the promise. He said, out of many nations will come out of you 
but it's going to come out of Sarah. That God placed a promise. I'm here to tell you today that maybe you were just little, or maybe you're a young adult, or maybe you're, you're a baby boomer. I'm here to tell you the promises that God spoke over your life, they will come to pass. They will come to pass because God wants to bring you to the process, to his promise that he has for your life. Look at the study detours. And many of us, we think of detours as a, okay, I went that way and I made a mistake, but then God's going to bring me back. You know what a detour is? A detour is a guided journey around what is closed. A detour is a guided journey that's already been set before you so that you can go around and get back on your destination. I love the UK. The UK, they don't call it detours. The UK calls it diversions. A diversion. I'm here to tell you, you don't realize that God's diversion is for protection. That a closed door is not rejection, it's a change of direction for your protection. That you say, you know what, maybe I was in a bad relationship or I was in a relationship and somehow it got shut down. God is saying that closed door is for your protection. I'm going to lead you on a guided tour to something better. Maybe you're in this faith journey and you're like, man, I was going to go this way. Maybe it was ministry, a job, a location, and God closed that door and he said, it's not rejection, it's a change of direction. That God is your GPS guy. God is the one driving the vehicle of your faith. I love what Hebrews says. I'm going to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Of my faith. That detours are set by God to protect you. Detours are set by God. What it says, man, it's that way. And God says, we're going to go this way for a minute. No, but, but, but God, it's that way. And God says, no, I'm going to take you on a journey. I'm going to take you on a journey. There's a, there's a story about a runner in a marathon. And I want you to know, before I tell you of this story, that maybe you're in this room and you feel like you took that wrong turn. Maybe you're in this room today and you feel like, you know what, I, 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 I went this way and God was taking too long and, and maybe I made some mistakes and made some choices and, and all of a sudden you ended up on a dead end. I'm here to tell you, in your faith journey, there is no such thing as a dead end if you don't allow it. Because there's a word in, that we say in church called repent. Maybe your first time guest, you say, finally, they said that word. I was waiting for them to say that word. But repent doesn't mean repent for the kingdom of heaven to hand. The word repent means to change your direction. You know what? We're at a dead end. But let's just repent. Let's say, God, I messed up. God, I screwed up. All of us here has. And we say, God, I'm going to change my direction. And we go towards what you have for my life. I'm ready to get uncomfortable. I'm ready to be impatient. But I'm ready to trust you. I'm going to trust you, God. There's an Italian marathoner. His name was Ayab Fano. And this was his second marathon that he ever ran in. He wasn't a very good runner. But he joined the, this marathon, and there's other experienced runners in there in this marathon. Remember last week I told you a marathon story of a guy wearing overhauls and boots, but Fano, he was ready, he was trained, he was prepared, but he just wasn't very good. And so, boom, it comes off, and all the other experienced runners take off. 
And so he's running at his distance and he has it prepared. He knows when he hits 10 miles, he'll increase his, his pace and he'll begin to go. But they, what happened was in the race is as he began to run, he got closer to the finish line and nobody was there. Just the fans that were screaming and cheering because what happened was a motorcycle guide went the wrong way. There was a fork in the road and the guy took all the runners to the right instead of the left. And so Fano, as he ran, he, he crossed over to the finish line and he was like, what happened? And they're like, you won the race. You won the marathon. And he was, what in the world? And what happened was they interviewed him and they said, what happened? How did you know not to go where everyone else was going, but to go to the left? And Fano said, beforehand, I began to read the map. He goes, I knew where I had to go, but I specifically seen the confusing part of the course when I was reading the map and I knew I had to take a left instead of a right, which where everyone else went. How many know that when you read the map, when you read the instructions, it will guide you. The Word of God is a light, is a light unto your path. He will guide you and He will lead you. But here's what He said. He said, everyone ran to the right. He didn't see that. And so when He came up to the path, He goes, okay, I gotta go left. And so when He went left, He said it felt like He was the only person running. And so this is what He says, so I kept running. On your faith journey, it might feel like you're the only person running. It might feel like you're all alone. That's why you get into a group, get some people involved in your life, and the right people, the right people. But here's the thing. I want you to understand, the very first person in that race, the front runner, he was following that motorcycle guy. What he had to do is he had to double down. He had to turn around. He had to come back, and then he had to run. He had to go back to the beginning to run to where he was supposed to go. I'm here to tell you that he was in first place, but by the end of the race, he was in fourth place. But I want to share something with you today. It's not how you run the race. We don't look at you and say, oh, you went that way, or you took a detour, or you took a shortcut. That's not our goal here at Avenue Church. Our goal is to help you finish the race. Our goal is to help you finish the race. And the Bible says that Abram went back to where his tent had been at the beginning. He went back to the beginning. C.S. Lewis said this so well. This is what C.S. Lewis said. We all want progress. We all want to advance in our faith journey. We all want progress. But if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing a U-turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back the soonest has the most progress. What am I sharing with you today? It doesn't matter if you feel like you're at a dead end. It doesn't matter if you feel like you took a shortcut and it just got uglier and uglier. Maybe your shortcut got you away from where God wanted you to go. But I want to share with you today, it's not how, it's not how you run the race, it's whether or not you finish. When we finish that cross line, that finish line, we want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Will you stand with me, please? I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with every single person here today. And man, we got a great week next Sunday. We got dude day. We got dude panel. We're going to have an amazing Sunday for our dads. Let me pray with you. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I thank you. God, thank you that you have your detours are actually shortcuts in our faith journey. 
Father, thank you that we all have the honor and privilege of running the race. Father, I pray for those that are here today. That God, I pray that maybe God called them years ago. Maybe God called you for a specific reason or a specific purpose. Maybe it was last week or yesterday. I'm here to encourage you that what God wants you to do if you felt like you're at a dead end or you took the wrong direction. I want to encourage you today that God wants you to take you back to the beginning. And God wants you to get back on that path. God wants you to run that race. God's going to do it again and again and again because there's a process to this promise in your life. Maybe you're here today and you feel like I'm at a dead end. I got no, no purpose, no hope. I don't have any race to run. I have no direction to go. I want to encourage you, your first step would be knowing God. Say, you know what? I, I want to know. I want to know the guy who designed the race. I want to have a relationship with one that, that created me for good works. And then he placed me on this earth. I want to have a relationship not with church, but with God. And I want to know him. But if you're here today, and I want every single person to pray this prayer, every single one of us, because when you know why, we do life together. We do life with one another. That when one is, is weak, the other one's strong. I want every single person to raise your voice. And let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Right where I'm at, I give you my life. I get back into the race. No more detours. No more shortcuts. But forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. You were raised for me. Now raise me in a new life. I will follow you all the days of my life. I want you to get real loud. Say, I am saved. I am redeemed. And I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, everybody shout it. Amen. I want you to share this. Hold up. Luke chapter 15. It's just a great reminder. Luke 15 says this. I tell you, this is Jesus. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven. Listen to me. There's going to be partying in heaven over one person who repents. Over one person who says, I'm going to change my direction. And I'm going to go towards what God has for my life. So help me out here. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you prayed that prayer and you said, that is for me today. I give my life to Jesus Christ. I want you to shoot a hand up and we're going to celebrate. Come on, everybody. Come on. Come on, everybody. Make some noise. Make some noise. Because heaven is rejoicing over one who repents in Jesus' name. It's Jesus.